0: JV the Pros, Season 2, Episode 38, and we have a very special episode this week. As we have a special guest, we will let you know who that is in a minute, but first, let's introduce the show. I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner, Corey, the Iron Man, Ramsey, still hasn't missed a show.
1: Corey, how are you? I'm fantastic. I'm in my first or second favorite city right now, which is Los Angeles, so I'm doing great. Is is LA one of your favorite cities? Yes, it is. And I'm here. Ooh. And to my left is Robin with a Y. Hello. She's definitely not in the nest tonight.
0: Hello there, producer extraordinaire. Hello. And to and to my left, I have the Queen of Queens, our co-producer Karen, the Queen of Queens. Hello, hello. hello. hello.
1: Sitting directly across from me is. Paco, the last man standing.
0: hi The last man standing, our technical genius. I am so glad you were not with Alexander Graham Bell when it all started.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> hey, Jack, I got a cinder block with your name on it. Just tell me when. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli.
2: So hey, I have to tell let you. Let me step
0: th- in it with some quick-drying cement.
2: <laughs> so I have to tell you something, Jack. We yes. are not in San Diego. We're in Los Angeles. Specifically, we are in Beverly Hills. More specifically. Which is not
3: Los Angeles at all. Well, ladies and gentlemen, more specifically, we are at 1000 Cielo Drive.
2: 10100. Oh, okay, sorry.
1: Okay. We'll, 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 okay. Uh, there, never mind. Hey, no, no, a, no, Let no, me no, take no. his cue card from him. No, no. We're in 10100 zero, 10100 zero, zero, Cielo, Cielo Drive. Drive. The home of the one and only David Omen. Woo! And
2: the crowd goes crazy. And the crowd goes crazy. I think
0: they're doing the wave. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> <laughs> David, welcome back. Uh, thank you for taking me up my offer. It's one of the few uh, times it's actually happened. I'm kind of surprised. You're like Paul Linn
0: on the Hollywood squares.
4: What are you saying, kid? My knees are locked. Oh Let's not God. get into it. You know, it's been a long time since I've been on television. For God's sakes, it's been a long time since I've been alive. Jesus Christ. I wonder my knees are locked. Rigor mortis. <laughs> I can't tell you. It's really nice to be back alive with you all. Live from the Omen House, it's Paul Lynn. What do you know? <laughs>
1: Who knew? And Paul, you know? I gotta tell you, Paul, I loved you and bye-bye, Bertie.
4: Oh, don't even start. God, <laughs> you're killing me. And beware. More, with. more. Don't quit, you son of a...
1: you leave me with a heartache.
4: Now, uh,
3: Paul, can, you, can we borrow David back or else we have to exercise you? Because I don't know any Catholic priests in the neighborhood.
0: The power of Christ helps you.
3: I don't think
4: it'll work. Last I checked, he was a Jew. <laughs> 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 oh, you know, I'm just killing myself. All righty. <laughs> in any event, yes, David will come right back. Give me a second. God, Get a out of his chair, man. Paul. Yes, what's up? Going on. Yes, right, Jack, how are you? There you are.
3: We lost you there for a second.
4: Yeah, you know, it happens. You know, as, as, of, as of Zach Baggins claiming I was possessed, all of a sudden I've been uh, turned into a poltergeist agent, which in L.A. means I represent... The wildest and the biggest and the baddest of the dead crowd. You know, you've heard of the bad pack. I deal with the dead pack.
3: So what's your take? 20%? <laughs> uh,
4: yeah, as much as I can get from them. Lately, it's only been about 5% because they've been on strike.
1: Yeah, so we have David Back, David Omen, author, film producer. And what else, David? What else are you? Uh, an impressionist? I mean, what else can
4: you? Do? I'm, a, I'm an entertainer. Is what the hell I am?
3: Oh, please leave his body. We need him. Oh, back I'm
4: for the sorry. Show. Yes, I like to uh, impersonate different personages that have passed away. Uh, that's not me. That's actually one of my cats. I think that's my black cat Samantha. How fitting? Her, <laughs> yes, how fitting for the Halloween month. Um, what else am I? I'm a guy that lives in a haunted house, but is not a paranormal s- I'm not associated with any paranormal investigative teams or groups. I just happen to be a guy who lives in a haunted house for 18 years and has no problem. <laughs> and, has, and I was just going his channel, Don Adams, and loving every minute of it. <laughs> um, no, I mean, that's about it. I'm a guy that lives in a haunted house. And, you know, I mean, boy, what am I? That's a good question. I'm a character. That's that's that's, that's for say. sure. I'm a, caric- <laughs> I'm a <laughs> character who cooks. Well, he's a character, right? I'm a <laughs> character. Doubt. I love to cook. I mean, no you know, I mean, I mean, you guys came up to uh, take me up on my offer for a barbecue and a show. So what can I say? Oh
2: my gosh, he put out a spread. He did a tri tip with his garlic mm. like uh, marinade in, in it, and then he did uh, ribs, some pork ribs on the grill, and Baby then bags. he did. Um, what is it? Baked beans. Baked beans and we had potato salad, macaroni salad. That's he used he to, had guys. A hummus and uh, pita, bread. pita bread and then we had little bounty brownie, brownie bites and uh, watermelon for dessert.
1: It was good. It oh, was my vegan. goodness. You guys are going to
3: sleep there. Let me tell you about the brisket. About the sorry, if <laughs> you
4: keep going with the brisket, I'm sorry, brisket is not made on a grill. My mistake. Well, I'm from Southern California. So I don't know I. that
3: my okay. Yes. However, mean, tri-tip is guys, tri-tip. Let me, okay. So, <laughs> so <compliment. laughs> let Paco no, go. No, hey, no, I love no. Your tri-tip. <laughs> uh, 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 thank you. I got it right. Yeah, the tri-tip. Your tri-tip was phenomenal. And you know the best part about a good barbecue, especially tri-tip, you didn't need sauce to go with it. It was oh, no. all about the meat and how you cooked it. Oh yeah, the tri-tip was great. I I credit my mother, who's long since
4: passed about embedding wedged pieces of garlic My mother into did that. the tri-tip all the way through. I mean, she used to put maybe five pieces of garlic. Me, I put about
3: 25 <laughs> pieces of ancient garlic. Ancient Chinese secret, I guess, or in your oh, case, ancient well,
4: Jewish? Yeah, yeah, ancient Jewish secret. But what I'm saying to you is it gets the flavor of the garlic into the meat. Otherwise, yes. since you've got a three-and-a-half, four-inch thick slab of, of tri-tip – the flavor is only going to saturate maybe a half an inch, if you're lucky, into the True. meat. So the basic internal components of the, of the meat have no flavor. They're right. just meat flavor. So my mom says, no, I embed these great pieces of garlic mm-hmm. in it's like "Why?" She goes, it gives the meat flavor. It's, Absolutely. Like, it's amazing.
3: Oh, Well, God. if you could step on your mother for a second, we'd love to credit her personally.
4: Thanks, Ma. Mm-hmm. Welcome, son. Yeah. <laughs> shout out to Mom. Yeah. <laughs> She's here somewhere, I'm sure. I haven't seen her yet, but I'm sure she's around.
1: And something else that David is, David, which I can appreciate because I'm a collector of comics, David is a collector himself. (laughs) We've had a chance to see his household, and I'll tell you, everything that you want to know about Jack Johnson, the great boxer, the pictures, the memorabilia. Oh
2: my gosh, it's amazing!
1: Yeah, the newspaper clippings. It he, is incredibly impressive.
2: He has this one whole hallway that's just filled with with things about Jack Johnson. And then in his office, the walls are covered, all the way into the bathroom behind the door, in the little area where the toilet is, and then in the area where the uh, bathtub is everywhere stuff about jack johnson it's amazing
0: you see i think i think anybody that boxes really should study the history starting with jack johnson he was the first true champion i mean he was a true champion at a time when
1: champions were
0: not well and he didn't care Mm -hmm. he was so good that's a good point jack
1: and you know something else just uh, uh piggyback off of what you said not only you know, was he the great boxer, like the first, but he was also an entertainer. Yeah. You know, a celebrity, a true sports celebrity figure.
0: Maybe the first sports icon, if you think about it.
1: Next to Sullivan,
4: he was the, probably the second most um, well regarded sports figure and personality. I mean, I've got liniment bottles with his inscription and his name on it, I've got a bottle of herbal um, pills, remedies. I know that he also invented a couple of different items. He, what is he? He patented a monkey a wrench, a that was used in motor vehicles. He was a jack of all trades. Pardon the uh, pun, but very interesting personality type. Real personality. But boom boom. <laughs> yeah, really. Sorry about that. <laughs> jack of all trades. But, <laughs> like I said, he endorsed. You know, he endorsed a lot of different products. He endorsed automobiles as well. Widely. I mean, that's the thing is is he was a person that really made an impact on society more than just as a boxer. And besides the fact that he was the first African-American heavyweight champion in the world, he still took a lot of gaffe and a lot of um, heat for it during the Jim Crow era. So it's amazing when you consider that backdrop against that, he basically succeeded and, you know, was an endorser of, you know, products that people used and stuff. That's just not... It's just very, it's very, it's juxtaposed to one against the other. It's kind of ironic when you look at it and say, wow. He welcomed and actually
0: encouraged that heat that he was getting. I mean, when he, when he discovered how much people did not want to see a celebrity like himself with white women, he exclusively was only seen in public with white women,
4: and he was just sticking it right to them. Well, it wasn't even that. It's that he, the reason why he was exclusively with white women wasn't so much to get back at the man, as a lot of people contended. It was the fact that his black wife left with a, dear fr- with a, with a friend of his and carry, carried on and left and basically abandoned him. And it was at that point, point. this we're talking about is in on like 1905, I think. He says, that's it. He goes, I'm never going to date another black woman. It's just I'm not going to happen. And that's why he stopped dating black women and exclusively dated white women. That's what's kind of like. Oh, that's interesting.
0: I, that's yeah. interesting. His, I did not know that
4: his wife or his girlfriend basically up and absconded with another guy, and Jack just said, "That's it. I'm done. I quit. <laughs> I'm going to start dating white women. What's the point?"
1: <laughs> and you know, I'm going to wow. go. Ahead, and you know, I'm going to go ahead and just go here with everything. <clears throat> Excuse me. How satisfying it must have been for him, you know, to be living in that era where, you know, you're called names all the time, your brethren, brethren are being lynched, you know, in droves, and he gets to beat up on the very people that are oppressing him and saying all those horrible things to him. <laughs> like he just was an unbeatable champion, and he just did what he wanted. I mean, we don't even see that nowadays, I mean, nowadays, athletes are so concerned about, you know, Image. their Twitter following and their images. You know, Michael Jordan didn't want to come out when he was playing, didn't want to come out and say anything because his attitude was, well, you know, um, these people, they buy Nike shoes, too. So he never, yeah. wanted to, he never wanted to come out and say anything, but not Jack Johnson. And I think, you know, more people should read up on him. And I definitely appreciate David. Because David has got me to take another look at him. You know, and I haven't really thought about Jack Johnson since talking to my parents and my grandparents, who mentioned him and talked about him often, about what a great athlete he was.
4: It's interesting because in Jack's eyes, he always felt he was in the ring by himself, for himself, not a pillar or a... Stand, uh, standard bear for anyone else but himself, as he said. I'm the only one in that ring taking a licking, and I've been doing it for many years. Because I don't want to be somebody's boy, and what he meant is I don't want to be somebody's standard bear for for the whites or for the blacks. He goes, I was in there by myself doing it, and they he had contentious people on both sides of the races, on both sides saying, you know, that didn't like him. And Jack was like, I'm the one who's in there fighting. Nobody's taking the beating that I have to take. And he didn't things he was misconstrued in a lot of ways, like what Corey said, He, goes, he was you know he exclusively dated white women to piss him off. It's like no, Jack. Jack got burned by his girlfriend and or his wife. I forget if it was his girlfriend or his wife, but she basically I think it was his wife, and she just took off with this guy that she he was friends with. He was like, that's it. He goes, I am sick and tired of this, and that's why Jack said later on he did, you know he stood up for for the cause as he later on said he goes because that's what he had to do because you got to remember jack never got the chance to fight after 1915 for the title they get, and then it wasn't for 21 years till 1936 that joe lewis got a chance to fight for the title and win the title and that's what's kind of funny is, is in joe lewis was told do not follow in jack johnson's footsteps whatever you do you have to be the antithesis of jack johnson which pissed johnson off because johnson wanted to help lewis and famously enough, when Johnson, when Lewis fought Max Schmeling, Lewis, you know, Jack Johnson said Joe Lewis is yeah. going to get his ass kicked by Schmeling. He's going to, and he actually helped Schmeling in train for the fight against Joe Lewis because Jack could see his vulnerabilities. And it was kind of ironic that Joe Lewis became the standard bearer, but resented. Was told to basically stay far afield from Jack and distance yourself from Jack Johnson because of how. He was perceived in the day, which is kind of funny because Jack, as he said, was I was I was my own man doing my own thing. And I didn't do it to piss anybody off, except when people called me things and called me and insulted me. Then I made it my business to teach him a lesson and to egg it on thick, like we did with Jim Jeffries and Tommy Burns. He made a point to beat the living tar out of them and make them suffer because he at any point could have knocked Tommy Burns out in the first three rounds in 1908 and decided, you know something? I spent two years chasing this son of a bitch across half the globe to finally get him to, to sign on for a fight where I'm getting 10% and he's getting 90% of the box office. But you know something? That's what I'll take to get my shot at the title. And when he got it, he made it go long enough so they would have the Film rights to promote, to to have a movie to show later on to make money on. So Jack was cold and calculating. And even though he wanted to tear the crap out of this guy in the first round, he says, no film rights, no money on the film rights. I can't do that. We got to make this go at least 15 rounds to make the money on the movie. rights." So, you know, that's the interesting thing about Jack is he was his own man. And that's why I like him and appreciate and honor his his memory as somebody who I call a mentor.
1: Beautiful. That's awesome. So, you know, I like to... Yeah, he's amazing. I like to have fun with these type of things, so I want to get your opinion. So, in the ring, obviously, we'll never see this. Yeah. Jack Johnson going up against Cassius Clay.
4: And I knew I, you were going to
1: say that. Yes, <laughs> I, I knew said, you were going to say that. Notice I said Cassius Clay, <laughs> not Muhammad Ali.
0: Um, I, 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 take, I take Johnson.
4: It's hard to say because Johnson was an expert at his in the techniques that were used in the early 1900s, sure. and when it came when you watch the fights, then it's it, see there's a lot of techniques that Johnson that that Ali employed or employed in his fight style, which was lock them up. When it was getting tough, wrap them up. And Ali did that, and Jack did that. He would wrap them up, because he basically, as Ali did, would hang his weight on their bodies and just go dead weight around them, and let them get exhausted from holding him up, as well as holding themselves up. So it's a good question of who would win those types of fights, and those mythical, you know, matchups. I don't know. I mean... Johnson, yeah, it would have been a good process,
0: fight. The thought yeah. process in early boxing was certainly not to cheat. And frankly, Angelo Dundee did a lot of things when opponents of Ali came along. He did a lot of things to kind of you know, tip the scales Ali's way. For instance, the, the rumble in the jungle, the night before that fight, Angelo Dundee sent his guys to loosen the ropes so Ali could lean on the ropes and let Foreman punch himself out. And he knew that Ali, with tight ropes, couldn't stand up to that kind of hitting. But if Ali was leaning back, Foreman was going to throw a lot of wasted punches, Expect Ali to be there to
1: receive. Uh, yeah, you know, see, well, with that, I don't even think that Ali was in his prime at that point. I thought, I thought he was past his prime. What was that, 73? Past. Past his prime. What year was that, that 74? The Rumble in the Jungle. No, no, no. The Rumble in the Jungle. Yeah, that was uh, 1971, I believe. 71, all right. Yeah, and I think uh, that's why I said Clay, because I think he was at his best, his fastest, and his most devastating when he was Clay. Because remember, he lost three years.
0: Oh, no, 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 no. No. His, his wheelhouse was absolutely 69, 70, 71, all the way to 76. And then 77, his career began a nosedive.
1: I think his career hit a nosedive when he was not allowed to box for three years. I think if you take any boxer out of the sport for three years, they're going to come back and they're never going to be the same. But it's not like he didn't train. He you got a guy that's sitting
0: for three years getting angrier and angrier.
3: Right. Yeah. Ali came
0: back with something to prove and, and in a fury, and he had a lot of support within within the sports industry of boxing. The industry itself afforded him anything he needed to, to really stick it to the government by getting his title back and beating some of the top people. I mean, when Frazier beat Ali, the first of three, Ali needed to even that up to certainly set up a tiebreaker. And yeah, that, you know, it he was heavier. He was masterful at, at marketing.
1: But see oh, my yeah. problem, but see my problem with that. And the reason why uh, my contention is still, yes, he was training for three years, but he wasn't going against another heavyweight. I mean, that's, I mean, that's just a fact. He was not still boxing in, in the ring. And if you look at him, he was heavier. I mean, he came back. I want to say, I don't know if he was retaining water or if he did, uh, Different, uh, different training, mm-hmm. but clearly he was heavier. I'm going to say a good Ali, 10
0: to Ali Frazier three. Ali, Ali was 218 pounds. Yeah, for Ali Frazier three. When, when Ali he, fought, when I Ali fought um,
1: Larry Holmes, he was 238. That's a 20 pound jump. Right, but when he was Clay, he was around 202 at his uh, yes. at his heaviest. And yes. that's what I thought.
0: You're talking about Sonny Liston days?
1: Yes. And his punches, the speed yes. of his punches is unlike anything that I've ever seen from a boxer before or since.
0: Well, I, I, I the, the legend of Ali is much greater than the boxer of Ali. I think personally, I think as boxers go, I think Frazier was a better boxer. I think Foreman was a better boxer. I think Holmes was a better boxer. (laughs) Ali found a way to get it done, and he simply waited people out in the length of the fight. He would hang around and hang around until it was time to put somebody on their butt, and um, he let people punch themselves out. There's no way Ali could have gone toe-to-toe with Foreman. Foreman was an animal.
4: He also took a lot of abuse. I mean, let's be honest here. Of all the heavyweights from the '60s, who is the only one? And let's think about this heavyweight wise that came up mush head at the end, Muhammad Ali. Nobody else. Yeah. None of them. Not one single one of them that die- that's alive today has that. Well, Ali,
0: of- Ali was only was fighting the bum of the month club. I mean, he'd get eight million bucks for a fight, take off with it in cash.
4: Yeah, and come
0: back needing to fight again because he spent it. Right. I mean, Ali wasn't managing money very
1: well at all. Yeah, well, I don't care about that. I mean, his money, I mean, their personal life, I'm not... No, but I'm really
0: saying he was, he was forced to fight more and more often to feed his addiction to celebrating his wins.
4: <laughs> yeah, but he took a lot of abuse. I mean, I remember as a kid watching him in the fights. He got... Yeah. He got so much... Physical abuse. Forget the body. It was always to the head that he took the most abuse, and that's the problem. He also fought well past his prime, and should have stopped when he got to Spinks. He shouldn't have fought Sphinx. Agreed. It was the most wasteful table p- seen.
0: Who, who picked up Ali when Ali when when Ali was released? Joe Frazier picked him up in a limo, and Joe Frazier told him. He said, "Yeah, we're going to have some fights. It's going to be fine." Ali said he was really grateful. Joe Frazier dropped him about eight grand in cash and said, this will help get you started. And you get in your trading regimen. They're in the limo, buddy, buddy, talking shop. Ali gets out of the limo and starts calling Joe Frazier and uncle Tom. And you're the, you're the, you're the, the, the champion for the white man. I'm representing the black. All of a sudden Ali went all WWF on the guy. Right. And, um, and yeah, and and Frazier didn't know what the hell was going on because he wasn't that marketing guy at all. That was not that was not Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier was was a pure a boxer. boxer.
1: <laughs> so and I'm Jill under Frazier the impression
0: just happened.
1: So I'm under the impression you are not an Ali fan since you're digging up all the personal what? life stuff. That that's my
0: impression. I'm not I'm not I'm not am not a fan of Ali. Okay,
1: that's what, I, well, that's what I said.
0: I think he never got I think he never got past. Um, I mean he had he had an edge about him toward white folks.
1: Ah, I for the knew the rest of his career. I knew that was it. I knew that was it.
0: I mean he has he asked Chuck Webner to call him the N-word during a press conference oh. on their on their um on their fight because and Wepner wouldn't do it said, I got friends that are black. They would be mad as hell at me. And I don't use that kind of language. He said, no, it's okay, you call me that. It'll help sell tickets. People will be interested. closed circuit TV. Ali was creating his own mischief.
1: I hear what you're saying, Jack. However, the era in which that Ali came up in, I mean, he was an angry man. And I don't want to, I, I want to move on from the boxing stuff and get back to the David stuff. But I will just leave you with this. With what Ali did with his children, how is that any different than other athletes, say like a DiMaggio or a Mantle and people that are put up on a pedestal and how racist they were, but yet they're loved and they did the very same thing that you're saying that Ali did, but Mantle and all the rest of those Yankee icons are absolutely beloved. But those guys, bootleggers, racists, women beaters, people love them. But we hate Ali for doing the same thing. I just
0: find that fascinating. You, you know what? Once, once in a while, Corey, you make, you make such a strong point that I have to sit back on my heels and say, you know what? You're right. These, these Yankee figures that I was in love with as a kid I learned a lot of um, bad warts about their actual character later in life. And you're right. I mean, they had, they had, it's the same thing in reverse. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Yes.
1: And that's why people think that when you hear the term, oh, it must be a black thing. That's why people think that. Seriously. Because of the imbalance. And that's all. I I don't want to go. Off on a tangent on that, because I certainly want to get no, no, that's back. No, okay. yeah. But I, I want to. I definitely want to get back to uh, you know, David. And part of the reason why we're here. Oh no, no, no,
4: no! You can't, can't now shut the door on Maya and leave the barn burning. No, 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 no! You can't do that and leave me in the dark. <laughs> off on both of you. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta cut voice my opinion, because you're both, you're both you're both talking from the opposite <laughs> ends of the spectrum, and I'm in the middle, going, Jack never said crap about that, and Jack didn't, and 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 people, human beings are human beings. Jack beat his wife, but so was the state of people in the 19th century. People, wives got beaten because people drank in excess. Crap. I mean, that's why abolitionists went. I mean, why the uh, anti the anti alcohol league basically started. You know, the whole point that he's in the same in the 50s a lot of these guys beat their wives the, the, the baseball players and Joe DiMaggio and this and that And you know that's the, not that Joe DiMaggio beat us but he was an alcoholic so was gosh darn what's his face Joe wasn't the alcoholic it was Mickey Mantle was the alcoholic sorry Joe But Mickey, Man- was,
0: Mickey Mantle went through two rivers.
4: The the, the the human condition is the human condition whether or not you know Jack was supporting the, the rights of blacks there weren't rights of blacks in the 19th century and when he was boxing. He was basically a target because there had never been such a thing as a black heavyweight champion because there was something called the color line that was drawn in everything, in every, in only the heavyweight championship um, in that that field because in the lightweight and the middleweights, they did have black champions, but in the heavyweights, no, 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 that was exclusively for the white man and that was John L. Sullivan who drew the color line, as he said. But the point is, is that human beings are human beings we all are full of our own faults and nobody should be put on a godlike pedestal because they're set up to be torn down and that's because they're a human being that's the problem we're all human we all have the same problems inherently born upon us because we have egos we have foibles we have insecurities you know and the fact that we've you know to denigrate jack or they did denigrate or try to denigrate jack's character at the time is, is is just because they had to tear him down because whoever you put on a pedestal is meant to be a target. After they're are on top of the pedestal, we always put yeah. them down to, to shred them. Exactly. So yeah, yeah. you make
1: my... See, you actually make my... Yes. No, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Let me just
4: go there. Let me finish saying that about Muhammad Ali. Now, Muhammad Ali, I remember as a kid, he was a braggadocious son of a bitch because, and people didn't like him because he's a braggart. And in some regards... Ali said, Jack was just like, no, no, no. Muhammad Ali said that Jack was going... No, Muhammad Ali has no concept and clue because what Jack went through was 10 times worse than what Muhammad Ali was exposed to regardless of the Civil Rights Acts of the 60s. What you don't remember is, is yes, in the 60s they were hosing black people and rioters down. In the 1910s, they were lynch-mobbing people.
1: They were still doing that in the 60s. But
4: in the 60s, not as much as in the the 1910s. But I don't
1: think it matters to the people who are being lynched. For, no, 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 sure no, no, not no, 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 no. Of course much. not. No, not. Okay. Not saying
4: it's not. I say more people were lynched in the late 19th century and early 20th century right. than we're in the 60s by far. It, even even during civil rights, there might have been 100 people. There were a thousand people that were lynched in 1910 when Jack won the Gauchos title against Jim Jeffries. That's the
3: problem. That number is actually that's, that's, right. That's, yeah. that,
4: that's the deal. The truth is, is Jack went through a lot worse. And what I still say about Jack is, and I say to his spirits, like how the did you manage not to have somebody take a rifle shot at you at any point in the time that you were walking around? For God's sakes, they killed uh, you know, uh, what's called, Garfield, in 1881 by a guy just walking up to him, putting a gun right to his chest and shooting him at point blank range. Mm-hmm. They Let could have done back. that to Jack, but they didn't, which is the strangest thing. Now with Ali, Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali loved to bring attention to himself because he was a marketing genius. Without yes, a doubt. and he loved that. Jack, not so much. He didn't have to. You got to remember. They were looking at Jack as a target because he was black, and they wanted to bring up the great white hope. He didn't put that out there. They put it out there, meaning the, the public or the, the promoters did that.
1: Jack okay. didn't have to. I want to back the car up for a moment. Yeah, yeah. Man, where I want to back the car up is the so-called number of lynching, and you, Paco, you said that number is accurate. What number are you talking
3: the about? The thousand. In the yeah. thousands, yes, because it yeah. peaked off, because it in tandem, see, because— Clan membership. We have to. Uh, right. so, okay, so wait.
2: Is it the right right number or not? That you don't have to go back through right. the history. Well, just, no, like, you have to.
3: I'm sorry. You have to give the context. This is the view, most of the viewers don't understand. It's a broad stroke. So up until the peak. So let's talk about lynchings and whatnot. So yes, they've always been around, but they peaked at around the uh, early 1910s to the 1920s because that's in tandem with the with the revitalization of the Ku Klux Klan. Following the uh, the release of birth of, of the birth of the nation, in and 1915.
4: also
1: the monuments, the monuments. Because, so give yeah, me the reasons. So and I'm I'm well divided. aware of that. With the uh, daughters of the Confederacy, yep. I can go down that rabbit hole with you guys. I'm just choosing yep. not to. So I want to. What I want to do is then. Why do you think? And I'm going to double check because I hear what you guys are saying, but no one's giving me some real hard uh, numbers. So why then did it then drop off? By the time Muhammad Ali came around, because I really, because really, I think we're splitting yeah. hairs. Quite frankly,
0: I think it. I think it dropped off. Frankly, and you guys are not going to like this, but I think it dropped off because of the influence of Bobby Kennedy. I think Bobby Kennedy was a strong force in putting a stop to this crap.
1: Oh, I, yeah. You said not liking it. Uh, no, but I'm saying what's not okay. To like so about that, that was in the late. That was still in the late '60s.
0: No, I'm saying That's it wasn't a black 60s. leader. It was Bobby Kennedy who didn't believe in, in the racism. He didn't believe in the prejudice. He didn't believe that. in right. the yes. no, but
3: That's after the fact, though, Jack. What he's yes. getting at is because you have to understand the civil rights movement, it began in tandem with, you know, churches. I, is, I mean, isn't that a correct... I mean...
1: Okay. Here's the thing, what I don't want to do. I really don't want to... And it's, it almost sounds like that we are minimalizing. No, no, the no, 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 no. No, no, I get it, but I'm just, let me, just let me finish. And so what I'm saying is, I just really don't want to split hairs about numbers. I don't have any numbers. I haven't had a chance to look it up. You may very well be right. And maybe 1910, maybe it did peak in 1910. But I can tell you that the people that were going through it in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, I can tell you that they didn't care if it peaked in the uh, 1910. It didn't feel that way to them.
2: A lynching so think, is a lynching, whether yeah, it's so one or a I, thousand.
1: Yes, yeah, so I think that, and I think still, if you have... If you have one person in your family that was affected by it, then you don't care about when it peaked and who went through the most and that kind of stuff. Horrible is still horrible. Oh, yeah. No, we're so, well, you, you know, know what, what, Corey? Say, What's that, Jack?
0: Corey, I think, I think everybody on the show, and David probably, has seen that movie, The Green Book. And I think, I think that book gave you a sense of if you were a black man at that time, you literally... Or moving around the country, not knowing if you're going to step on a landmine. Like, you just never knew when something was going to happen and it was going to be bad. Whether you are going to be thrown into jail, possibly beaten, maybe left dead somewhere. Not left for dead, left dead somewhere.
1: Or you can be shot on the uh, steps of your house and die in your wife's arms, right. like Medgar Evers yes. in 1963. So I don't think we have to go back that far. I mean, I think we can find, you know, incidents. You know, my point is this. I hear what you're saying about Ali, and I never wanted to go into the personal life anyway because this is where I agree with David. I, When I'm a fan of somebody, I'm just a fan of what they can do, and I admire them as an entertainer, and I admire just like I caught hell afterwards because people knew that my favorite football player growing up was O.J. Simpson. And I'm like, okay, so when I loved him in 1972, 73, 74, did I know that 20 years later no. like, he was going to do what he did?
2: You love a murderer. You know, that's I, what yeah, you I, can like, like, murdering.
1: Yeah. Exactly. He slayed the grid. And actually. my favorite TV show, and I get hammered for this, is I Spy. Oh, you must love And, of course, because because of Bill Cosby. Cosby. And people hammer me for that. I'm like, I'm sorry. I still love the show. I still love the show.
0: Well, Corey, let's be be real. O.J. Simpson, the football player, completely beloved, completely talented, amazing athlete. O.J. Simpson, after football, um... Yeah, was, he
4: was a good comedian on the Naked yeah. Gun. Yeah, he was funny as hell. Let's be honest. Whatever happened in well, like 25 years ago, 26 you. years ago is what happened. I mean, thank I can you. still watch the Naked Gun and laugh, but I can't watch Kevin Spacey David. in a movie and David. not go, "Okay, oh God." And it's not. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, what? But you know, there's a, there's a certain thing that there's certain things that people have done. It's like okay,
1: but that it's hard. To it's have. harder
4: to deal with, and. I, Let's be honest here. Like I was trying to say about what happened history-wise. See, I'm talking about the historical, what, what took place. I'm not trying to say personally what happened to somebody's family. But and the fact is, is that there was an upsurge in in lynching when Jack won the gosh title in 1910 because he didn't believe he won the title in 1908. But when he when he, when he beat Jim Jeffries, it pissed a lot of people off. And because, as I remember reading in the newspapers of the time because they were basically hooping it up, it pissed off a lot of the guys rednecks and the rednecks went to task on them and started lynching them thinking, my God, Jack. And Jack said, he goes, it's not, it, 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 don't blame me because I won the title. Blame society for being so cruel and inhumane for, for not being tolerant of other people's winning, you know, appreciate appra- it that I won. Yes. The fact of the matter was, is that well, what we was trying to say is, is that there was a huge, that he created a dynamic, well, because he won the t- title, it created a surge of antipathy towards black people. And I remember reading in some newspaper it said, this is going to give black people the idea that they're as good as we are. And it's like, What the fuck's the difference if they're black or they're white? You're all poor in the same goddamn shithole city. What's the difference? Who cares? And that was the lie that the guys from Confederates said and propagated out. And I remember reading about this saying, you know, there was an old story that they told poor white people. It goes, no matter how poor you are, You're still better off than the black guy that's the ex-slave. And that became the idea behind the idea that the Klan became the superiority of the races. And I read that and said, boy, that's pretty stupid because their skin has got more pigment in it than yours is. That
1: makes makes you better than they are? How does that make any sense? All right, so that is everything that you want to know about Muhammad Ali, Jack Johnson. I think we have definitely... Beat that horse all the way in the ground.
2: Deader than dead. <laughs>
1: but I have definitely learned some things about Jack Johnson, so it was very, very interesting to listen to David. What we're going to do is we're going to step away. We're going to come back, and we're going to get some more David wisdom. Uh, part of the reason why we're up here, find out a little, uh, maybe some other little tidbits about Cielo Drive. And then I have another... Uh, Fantasy fight that I want to throw at uh, David and get his blood boiling again over something.
2: So we will be back in two minutes and two seconds, or thereabouts.
4: <laughs> Is Jack in San Diego? Yes. How yeah. oh, did you come oh, My God.
0: Is your
5: small business, company, or corporation under a legal attack from a disgruntled former or current employee? It often happens where an employee decides to go for a money grab, hoping the business will just settle to make it go away. Well, this is wrong, and Paul Sorrentino of the firm Jackson Lewis knows this is wrong, and he consistently puts a stop to this method of extortion of businesses. Paul Sorrentino fights for you and protects you from sending out a message that you're an easy target. Paul Sorrentino is considered to be one of the five best attorneys in all of California. Many believe he might be the greatest labor attorney in the country. He represents individuals who may be getting taken advantage of by unscrupulous employers, as well as representing small businesses that might be wrongfully under fire paul sorrentino of jackson lewis is the premier attorney when it comes to labor law he represents several corporations that depend on his expertise in class action suits in which the corporation is being targeted there have been times when opposing counsel has walked into court realized they have to face paul sorrentino and immediately moved to dismiss instead of letting the judge see that they're going to get shredded by paul sorrentino Having Paul Sorrentino as your attorney is like having a legal superhero on your side. For any of your legal labor issues, call Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis at 619-573-4900 and rest easy knowing Paul Sorrentino will take the best care of you. Call Jackson Lewis at 619-573-4900 and ask for the legal superhero Paul Sorrentino. Tell him JV to the pros recommended you make
0: that call. J.B. to the pros and I'm Jack with my partner, Corey Ramsey, Corey, the Iron Man Ramsey. And we have a very special guest tonight, David Oman, wild man, unpredictable. And what a character. One of our favorites of all time, David, we welcome you back on our next segment here. Now let's keep it moving. Corey, what do we got?
1: Well, I just have to say that, you know, off the air, listening to David, it is amazing listening to him. And the impressions that he'll do. I mean, he was doing Peter Sellers. And I swear I was watching Dr. Strangelove. But I had to, like, pinch myself and say, no, this is David. It's not Peter Sellers.
2: That was me. You were pinching, love.
1: Oh, sorry about that.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, it, 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 it was spot on, wasn't it? I mean, it was just amazing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know? Absolutely it's like amazing. having a
0: on so, YouTube. So, yeah. Yeah, the audience doesn't get to see all
1: that other fun. Well, let's get back into it. So here we are. We're on Cielo Drive. And Paco, do you know the address?
3: Yes. (laughs) What is You condescending? ah, It ah, is ah. 10100 Cielo Drive, Beverly Hills, California. What's the zip code, please?
2: 90210. Come on. Okay.
3: Sorry, I wasn't watching. (laughs) I mean, I was watching other stuff in the 90s. Even Robin knows that. You
0: stay out of this,
2: Vecchio. (laughs) I've never even seen this show, but I knew that.
0: Hey, well, I was on that show. You better have seen
1: it. Well, that's good. He knows. I was, I was on
3: for one episode.
1: Oh, really? The, uh, what would you play, huh? The technical guy knows where we are, so that's good. It's not 10,000, huh, yeah. yeah, not 10,000.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you want me to say yeah, a don't different have accent? 10, 100... I mean, come on. We that's want a to different accent.
0: A life, a, life, a life as an accountant is not in the future. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs>
1: Moving on from that, yeah. now that we know where we're at, so we're on Cielo Drive. and Part of the reason why we came up here, one, David's hospitality, but also... David's you know, cooking. David's <laughs> cooking,
2: <laughs> his hospitality. hospitality.
4: I didn't invite you to spend the night, you know, please. Yeah. But no. we just
1: might. No. Oh,
4: hey, that's <laughs> news to me. But yeah. so we're here on Cielo Drive, and we're here,
1: I mean, it's, it's history here. And this is something that's very passionate to... David, and so I want to get David to spend a couple of minutes as to why Cielo Drive is so passionate. Why is he so passionate about Cielo Drive?
4: Well, I guess you could say I'm passionate about the fact that um, I live in a haunted house and I represent the spirits so far as I believe. Uh, In general, the fact that there's just been a lot of... uh, Misinformation and a lot of mythology that's been developed about the paranormal and a lot of extra drama with a lot of extra hype and um, nonsense and mythology, as I said before, about spirits. And, as we say, a lot of misrepresentations about that. That's what I really am passionate about. I almost feel like I walk in the footsteps of, uh, of Harry Houdini, who also tried to tamper down the... Um, effects of the spiritualist movement, which was running rampant in the early 19th century, early, 19, early 20th century. Um, that's really what I would have to say I'm passionate about. A lot of people believe that I am passionate about Sharon Tate. That's a little bit of a misnomer. I, I appreciate her presence and her being and her, um, her persona. When she was alive, but I'm not a Sharon Tate fanatic or a Once Upon a Time in Hollywood fan either. I'm just a guy, like I said, who has a house that I built down the street from Sharon Tate's. That um, was very much intrigued by the paranormal and interested and fascinated by it. And um, that's really what I'm passionate about the, the the truth behind the truth in the paranormal, not the mythology around it and surrounding it
1: very good distinction and so uh, you know talking about (laughs) mythology and talking about you know misnomers and things there's certainly a lot of things you know floating around about the unfortunate and the tragedy around the the Tate LaBianca murders and so what do you have to say about that about some of those uh things that are that are floating around and all these different books and specials that come out? What's your take
4: on this? Um, Honestly, I personally don't think that any of it uh, holds a lot of truth and uh, value. I think that 51 years after the murders, the idea that these people whose recordings and interviews we have from back in the day, from when they were young and when it was current and it was fresh in their hearts and their minds, that anything that they've recounted or recounted, as you say, have recounted as far as what they did and the actions of the, what they took back in 1969. I don't really care. I, I mean, it kind of irritates me to hear um, on one of the docuseries that was out there on uh, epics, I think it was, a couple of weeks ago, about the mythology behind Helter Skelter. I watched the first episode, and I was able to listen to Tex Watson talk to us from jail on a telephone interview. Now, two of the players are dead, that it being Susan Atkins and Charles Manson are both dead. So the fact that Tex Watson's talking from jail about something that took place and transpired 50 years ago, I don't really want to hear him say two words. I don't care. I really don't give a d- about him. As far as I'm concerned, he's dead man standing. And by that I mean they were all prosecuted and basically... Sentenced to death back in 1971. And in 1972, the California legislature repealed the death penalty. I don't know how in the world and why in the world these people were given the opportunity to go from death row to then every four years come up for parole. If they were sentenced to death by a jury of their peers, why is it then if the repealing of the death penalty would allow them to seek and be afforded parole ever? So uh, personally to me, I don't care what he has to say. And the fact that there's a cottage industry built about and around the Sharon Tate murders and the mythology behind the murders. And one of these books called Chaos talks about the fact that he's coming up with this crazy idea that Stephen Parent left the house after the murders. And this is because the fact that they found damage to one of the railings on the um, outside of the uh, house that was adjacent to the driveway, and it also coincided with some damage that was found on Stephen Parent's rear bumper. And I said, so that means he says that that's why Stephen Parent said he, he recounted in his book, Chaos, that Stephen Parent said, because I promise I won't say anything, and that's the reason why he said that. And I said, you know, that's kind of hokey pokey. Because the only person whose testimony we have outside of Stephen Parent, which we don't, we have the testimony of Leslie Van Houten or uh, Linda Kasabian, Kasabian, who who described the scene as such that they walked up the driveway and as they entered the gate, Stephen Parent's car was coming out before any other murders took place. The fact that Stephen Parent's car shows damage to the rear bumper and so forth on the, the actual post around the railing at the back of the patio—I mean, the back of the driveway—means nothing of the sort. It still could have happened that Stephen Parent put his car in reverse, backed the car up, and pushed on the gas, and by accident pushed a little too fast, and then it gained speed and it made contact with the post. And the railing, the wooden railing, and the post. Or and maybe then,
2: he did it on a different day. No,
4: no, he was only—that was the only time he was there. <laughs> oh. I see. So then he put the car into drive, and then came going forward. At which point he came into contact with the killers. And of course, Tex Watson was walking up the driveway with this. 22 caliber revolver in his hand. So as he's walking up, Stephen Parent could have seen the revolver in his hand as he's walking up and assumed that this guy was up to no good. And that's why he said, I'm not going to say anything. Please spare my life, blah, blah, blah. But the idea that somebody comes up with a theory... That this took place in this sequence of order, sequential order, that is not what we have been understood, means nothing. It's just another theory. But the idea is, is there's so many theories running rampant about Sharon Tate's father, who was in military intelligence, that somehow he was involved in this whole conspiracy to pull off this, this heinous crime. Two plus two equals twelve and have his daughter then now live in South America with his baby, with his, with her son. What? It's, it, it, this is another one, of the conspiracy theory. Oh, yeah, sure. It's on the same
3: island with Tupac and Biggie, too, okay. right? You <laughs> know, it's
4: like, you know, it's just, I've heard these things, and you, did you know that that Wojciech Frykowski was dealing drugs and Jay Sebrings was dealing cocaine to Charles Manson was another theory that was, somebody said to me, and I said, so that means there's justification to him getting killed right. because he was dealing drugs. They said, Manuel Noriega sold... Thousands upon thousands of tons of cocaine yeah, but in, one... brought into the U.S. But he's still alive and he's in jail, but he didn't get slaughtered for, for dealing cocaine. So where's the justification that somebody should die because they were dealing cocaine? I mean, these are the theories that some people come up with. And to me, I just shake my head and go, you know something, you can say your theories, what, what not, is the drug deal gone bad? I personally don't put a lot of faith into it and it disparages me about this.
3: I hate to be the Jamie from Joe Rogan here, but...
4: What the hell was that?
3: Uh, that's probably Noriega, because he died actually in no. 2017. No, that
4: was something else. Something just happened, and the dog reacted to it. Yeah, and I,
1: I heard it, that. too.
3: Okay, that. that's a little spooky here, guys.
1: What, what, what
3: just happened up there? Uh, it Looks like we might have a Class 1 manifestation the here.
1: Dog, the dogs are reacting. Really? Because of what we're talking about.
2: I swear to God... I felt in my stomach and in my,
1: you know, my anxiety. Feelings. Well, let's do a
3: reading here. We got an EMF. I,
1: I felt somebody tapping me in the, like, right here. Uh, That's really?
3: That's what I was doing. Uh, uh, what? One of the f- not the- Holy oh. shit One second here, folks. We might have some paranormal activity. Hey,
0: hey I got, I
5: got some more of that um, CBD oil, the RVD CBD oil. And oh, um, man, I
1: need mean it.
0: Ooh, I, did a, I did a bicycle ride the other day and my 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 back, my, my glutes, I mean, I was, that stuff, that
1: stuff is amazing. It's like a miracle. You know, I did push-ups the other day and my elbow was killing me because, you know, I've had elbow problems for the longest time now. I put it on and then it went away and I'm like, wait a minute, how is this possible?
5: Like one of those containers literally... Has like a
0: thousand applications in there. You only need a dot. <laughs> like it's like a dot.
1: <laughs> I'm bathing myself in that. I'm telling you.
0: <laughs> when well, you can order it by the gallon. But, yes. But I'll tell you what. I, I love the fact that you know the, they, they give the,
5: the the discount if any to Pro's. You know, one word. They give it, it's at least ten
0: percent discount um, for placing an order and putting to Pro's in there. That's that's great. But even if they didn't give a discount, this is this is such a great product. RVDCBD.com. It's six letters. RVDCBD.com. You want to get rid of sore joints, sore back, sore shoulders, knees. You got something that's sore on you. You rub some CBD oil from RVDCBD.com. And you put in JBBeter all one word, in the discount bar. And you'll get at least 10% off. RBD, CBD, we strongly recommend. Okay, this is JV to the Pros, Season 2, Episode 38. And we have had something happen that has never happened before. I'm not sure if I'm I'm glad I didn't make the trip up to Beverly Hills, or am I regretting the fact that I missed what happened? But Corey, Robin, Paco, David, please... Explain to our listeners why we had to go to break and what happened in that haunted house of yard.
1: Well, here's, well, here's the thing. I really wanted to get David who said he wasn't passionate about Cielo drive, but yet he was very passionate and I was loving it. And he was giving his uh, take on, you know, the tragedy. When we heard this sound of something dropping and the two large dogs they reacted, their tails were wagging. At the same time, Robin felt something. Oh my some, gosh, something. Yes. And then I thought that a, um, one of the dogs was pushing against my back, and it turns out it was nothing. I looked, and you can see me on camera. I looked, and I touched, and there wasn't anything. So then we all stopped, we got up. David has cameras everywhere in here. We saw that one of the figurines dropped It wasn't because anybody pushed it, stomped on the ground. It just dropped. And that was weird to look at that on camera.
2: And it was in a totally different room. So it wasn't like, yeah, crazy.
0: Uh, Now explain explain what you saw on the surveillance when they replayed the surveillance. Because I got to see it and I was freaked out. I'm 200 miles away.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just, it's one of the figurines. And it was the one in the center that... You're you're looking at the screen and it's just there and it's just standing and then it just goes, pop, just like that. But
0: I loud. Mean, it looked like it was smacked. It looked like it was smacked off the
1: vehicle. <laughs> uh, yes. If I didn't know better, I would say that there was a hand that just pushed it down. That's what. It, hard though. That's God. what it's hard. Seemed like. yes. yes. But that noise. Yeah. It was. Creepy. And we'll, we'll see the noise coincided with what Robin felt and also what I felt on my back as David was talking.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: didn't want to interrupt David because he was on a roll, but I'm like, what is this on my back? And I didn't mm-hmm. want to do anything and say anything. But, I mean, there you go. I'll I, I I tell
0: you what, I'm glad it didn't happen to Paco because he would be sure to blame me and just say, get off my back, Jack.
3: Well, actually, Jack, <laughs> I'm kind of, I kind of regret not bringing my Proton pack along.
0: Yeah, where where were you, Mister Ghostbuster?
3: I'm off the clock, ladies and gentlemen.
4: <laughs> Jack, here's an invitation. You have to come up for the next show. Along with Dan. I'm not
0: going to miss the next show. Yes. I'm not going to miss the next time we do the show up there. I will not miss it. This is unbelievable. If I hadn't seen that footage on the, when Robin when Robin was showing me the replay, I mean. It looked like some sort of special effects from a Steven Spielberg movie. It looked guess, yeah. like somebody just smacked that thing right off the mantle. Like mm-hmm. an
1: old-style haunted movie, yes, to see it like that. And, you know, there's no explanation. We case.
0: should put that footage on our, on our Facebook page.
3: I, we,
1: we definitely should. We should
0: have that, to. uh get you to just send that 15 seconds, and we'll, we'll put it when, when we post the show, because that was amazing.
1: I can do that. That would be great. Yeah, we should definitely do that. Well, you know, look, this falls in line with what David has has said, what David has told us on air and off air, where he said that there are things in this house going on that he can't necessarily explain. So if you want to call it haunted, if you want to call it paranormal, whatever label you want to give it, I mean, we've been here for a few hours now, and we've experienced some of this. So... This is not David making it up. This is not David saying this. This is us three people here experiencing different things.
2: Firsthand.
1: Firsthand. And we're all hearing it. Yep. So unless we're suffering. We we know David's kind of
0: crazy, but he is definitely tethered to reality on this one.
1: Yes. Yes. He he is absolutely tethered. And like I said, he has cameras everywhere at every angle. So if there's any nonsense, He's going to pick it up. He's going to see it.
0: Well, that's just great. When I go up there, there's no christening that
1: house
4: yeah christening my house what are oh, you kidding me i'll bring you give me a break Steven. there's a there's a power on this earth that could bless that water and make it purified and holier than thou. The idea oh yeah this guy this guy became a priest after he molested a few kids now he's a priest full full-fledged oh that's good what about for the rest of the religions that don't follow in the catholic process oh they don't count it's like oh okay Godness, I can't believe that heaven's just full of a bunch of Catholics up there. Last I checked. You know, that's actually an
3: interesting uh, a, a diet. A di- well, no, uh, not Diet Tribe. Di- uh, it a is point. a
4: diatribe. You're wrong. It is a diatribe. diatribe.
3: Yeah, no, because every time, okay, usually, I mean, if, of all, in the Pandium and the pan, Pantheon, pantheon. In the Pantheon of Christianity. For some reason, Catholicism is the only pe- the only branch that actually has any kind of you know rituals to deal about exercising spirits and whatnot. So, I mean, isn't that kind of a contrived convenience? I mean, you always see like the Pentecostals on the, you know, doing the, you know, what do they call them, revivals, right? The tent ones. And they go, you are healed and everything like that. So, but, you know, and then of course you, you go to like, uh, you know, first or Southern Baptist, you know, they got the Holy Spirit dancing and everything, but you never see that with Catholics.
0: You're saying, that you're saying the Catholic church is the only one that will exercise um, evil spirit. I mean, that would make, could you imagine that would make a hell of a movie?
3: Well, they did. It was called the Right with uh, what's his name? Anthony Hopkins. The-
1: he's playing with you. It's called the Exorcist, nineteen seventy three. Oh, I I know you, that. I yeah, okay, you.
3: okay. But yeah, but remember, he's believe, totally messing with you. I understand that, but I come uh. from the scientific approach. I Ghostbusters. So uh, There's no cro-
1: scientific approach here. This is one thing. I mean yeah. spinning it back come on. to there spinning has it back to, be. to the house. No, there's no scientific thing. There I'm, has sitting to be. Here, I'm sitting here I'm sitting here next to David. Yes. David's hands are on the table. David is talking, and There's I'm no sitting at the head of the
2: table, back to the window.
1: I'm feeling something. Thinking it was thinking it was the dog or the cat. It isn't. You can see me on camera where I clearly turn look, and I'm touching. If you want, my back. we can look.
4: We can you know that camera right there captures this footage, so I'm sure we could yeah. find that. Well, you I mean, said it
3: yourself it was it was in infrared, right? And we did get some kind of. No, image. this is
4: color. These right now are working in color because the lights on. David but, has cameras everywhere.
3: But following that point, though, yeah. so you don't buy the scientific or the you know parapsychological uh, you know end to it. But I think David and I we kind of go in that direction, don't we? Agree?
1: Oh, you, oh, because you and David are scientists.
3: We're not scientists.
1: It? Oh, okay. But we're trying. But there has. But to I don't. Be but I don't. I don't believe. In science. Okay. But hey, first of all, wait, so look. What is your point?
3: My point Never is there is you. there. Are, there are, I mean, wait, look. <laughs> science and religion are often trying to. Or uh, it's. The, it's the ultimate, you know, uh, race because they're trying to find the same question. It's just the method is different.
4: Neither
1: one really knows anything.
4: I don't believe in, in, that science can define this and I don't think religion can define this. However, what Corey was feeling, the sensation of somebody pushing up against him, that's something that I've heard many times before. Of people saying, I felt somebody pushing or touching me or yeah. grabbing me or putting pressure on my shoulder or in my back. That's normal. That's happened a lot of times. And that just means there's, a, there's somebody that's that close to Corey has nothing to do with Sharon Tate and the victims. It always comes down to the closest dis, the closest distance to a paranormal incident is somebody that you knew or had a connection to who is no longer alive. That's as simple as it works. Maybe it's your mother. If it's, some, if it's somebody well, that wait you a second. didn't know. Wait a second. Yeah. You're
0: saying it's not Sharon Tate. Yeah. It's someone it who's
4: no longer alive. Here's With my that qualification, it could be Sharon Tate. No, here's my point. This is the real connection. you got to start dealing in some type of irrational application to the paranormal, which people don't do. See, the thing about the theoretical crap of the paranormal is they don't take it beyond the first step of their journey, meaning— Everybody's got a theory by the paranormal and this and that. And I say, all right, let me take your theory and let me apply it further, a few steps down the road, beyond what you're applying it to. And every time you do that, everything falls apart. And that's why theories are not necessarily – they're not, they're not tested, they're not thought out, they're not, as you say, worked out. Like mm-hmm. in science, when you do a math equation and you come up with a theorem mm-hmm. – You got to go push that theorem every different direction to test it against everything else. People come up with these cockamamie theories about the paranormal. I say, yeah, but if you go further down the road beyond where you're just limiting yourself to the application thereof, you find that your theory has no gosh darn basis and doesn't work. And what I'm saying is is when something happens and you say, oh, my God, it's Sharon Tate. It's like my question is, is, why is it Sharon Tate? What connection, what possible motivation does Sharon Tate have to manifesting and doing something to connect with you? You don't have a connection. Oh, but I'm Sharon Tate's biggest fan. It's like, yeah, that makes so much sense to me as a dead person. I'm rushing to that millionth fan that's calling my name out. No, it doesn't work like that. It's the shortest distances between you and somebody you loved. That died is coming back to make connection with you because you're
1: somebody that is connected to them and they're connected to you see as a layman that makes a lot of sense to me we and that's can't. why i didn't apply it i just said i don't know i felt something right and clearly you you can see me on camera i react <laughs> but i didn't want to interrupt David. i was uh, like well, what is that like, i wish would you would have, have. I, I just know. I mean, you were very interesting and you were on a roll. I wanted you to keep going.
4: doesn't matter if that's happening and you're having an experience, you got to draw to go to the source and say, hey, David, something's happening right now. What are you picking up? And it's like, wait a second. I'm hearing this voice saying it's this person. then I said, I heard this name. Or, I heard this connection. And they go, "Oh my God, that's funny. You don't even know me. And it's like, no, I don't. But that's what I just picked up. And usually when I pick up something, it's really strong and clear and right to the point. And I've done this many times before here where I've had people come to visit to watch my movie. And one particular incident, this producer came over and I set him up downstairs in the theater room, as Corey was with uh, Robin and Paco. And um, he said, after 15 minutes, I came upstairs to take care of getting some drinks for us. And he comes up the staircase and he says, I, he said, not a word. He walks out the door and gets in his car. And I go outside. I said, what's the matter? He rolls his window down. He goes, I had the craziest goddamn, experience in that theater room watching your movie i said what happened he goes i i i i i felt fingers running through my f- hair and then up and down my b- 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 back and i was a little alone and i didn't and i said oh my god i said and i said are you okay he goes yeah i'm just very very um i I i, I said wait a second i heard this voice say it's his two friends And I just said, wait, you had two friends that died in the past five years. I said, one was in a mountain climbing accident. The other guy was in a car accident. I didn't know this gentleman from Adam. First time he ever came here. And he looked at me and he went stark white and his jaw went slack and said, how do you know that? I said, because I just heard the voice of somebody say, these were your two friends that were letting you know that they were here around you. And he just said, oh, my God. He goes, I said, yeah, your one friend with a, with a mountain axe was mountain, he was uh, mountain climbing. He, his, his Larry is um, secure point got disengaged and he basically fell to his death like a hundred feet. And he goes, yeah. He goes, yeah, that was the one that was putting his hands through his through your hair. Mm-hmm. He goes, oh my God. He goes, the other one was your friend in the car accident two years ago, apparently. And he was running his, his fingers up and down your spine through your leather jacket and he just. He said, How do you know? I said, Because that's who the hell it was. And because they're just letting you know that they're okay and they wanted to reach out to you and let Aww. you n- and just communicate with you. And it's nothing sinister, Right. nothing harmful, nothing endangering to your life
2: too many people turn it and twist it in that direction like oh my god it's spirits spirits aren't bad because it's it's from the other side or whatever you want to word it it doesn't mean that they're evil it doesn't mean that they're bad or malevolent we feel it or i say we i feel it in my house a lot Mm -hmm. i feel it when i'm in the bed alone at night i feel like somebody is sitting on my bed And I look, sometimes I'll wake up and I'll look to see if Corey has come down. Nope. It's nobody. It's just me. I'm not scared at all because I don't feel that they're malevolent presences. I feel that they're benevolent.
1: And you know what? And to piggyback off of that, I am confident that one night we were talking in the kitchen and we were talking about your mother. Yes. And we heard, we both heard what we heard and then we just sort of felt
2: Yes, presence. I was at the sink and Corey was at the um, oven, at the stove and they're like right across from each other. And we were just talking back and forth. And all of a sudden over on the clear other side where the table is, we heard this noise. And, and I was like, what was that? And we were, he was like, I don't know, what was that? And we were like, that was my mother. I'm sure it was my mother.
1: And you know, for those that are wondering, you know, we were in David's uh, theater. We were watching his movie. His movie that he yes. produced, House at the End of the Drive. And it's from the executive producer of the Amityville Horror. And I've got to tell you, that music score not only is, is it suspenseful mm-hmm. uh, and well acted, but also the music score is outstanding with the acting. And there were some real suspenseful moments. I'm sitting next to Robin and... At one point she turned and that's when I know that something scares her because she can't watch in terms of what's going to happen. I just can't see it. Or I'll do like this
2: and I like this, like people can see me put my hands over my eyes with my fingers just slightly open and I'll peek through the cracks to see whatever is on the screen. Yeah, because it doesn't like assault my eyes so badly.
1: So that's where, we were li- that's where we were watching, House at the End of the Drive. Yeah, the yeah. movie's
4: not like your typical slasher film. It lulls you into a false sense of security, and then it comes up with some really wild, scary scenes that are just like... And it's not like it's for a foregone conclusion that this stuff is paranormally driven. It's practical stuff that and I use in the film, like the garbage disposal, the <gasps> bathtub. <laughs> the, the toilet. The bedroom, the <laughs> toilet, the bed. I mean... It's like these aren't things that are so far fetched. Well, I can't see myself being in a mattress on a mattress sleeping in a bed. It's like, yes, you the hell can. Yes. Yes. It's like the bathtub. You can be in the bathtub. It's like you have that in your mind. Right. You have the garbage disposal. Be yes. careful. You never look at the garbage disposal twice. And it was filmed here, here, in so you, here in the, the
2: house. So you went. It's yeah. funny because as the guy was walking through the house, I was like, like, "Oh my God, <laughs> that is the house. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's actually that that's house where right now.
4: Oh my God, that's this is I'm right now here.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Suspenseful. And, stuff.
0: and you couldn't get in the Brady house, but you got in that
4: house. I
1: know. No, we couldn't get to the Brady house, but this is far more <laughs> Sorry, interesting. Sorry, Jan. <laughs> it's just a
2: bummer. So you know what we should do? We should call this a, call it a day, because I know that Jack's had a really long day. Most of us have. But we will definitely revisit David. Oh, come back. Please. Yes, Bring we'll come Jack. back. And then you can Bring come down and, and hang out in our garage bar, too. And we'll have a show well, down I'll be there.
0: there. David. I'll yeah. be there. Usually, yeah, usually. I'll be there. Yeah. It's just things are, things are, I mean, we'll, you know, we'll talk I know, off air, I but know, I got man. a lot of things going on right now.
2: I think we're going to probably come on the 16th of October. I know that Corey has a, um, he's uh, bartending and security for a party on the 17th, but the 16th. Come we'll, up for the live we'll, show. Yep.
0: And if you oh, wait, the 16th, hang on, the 16th here. of Friday.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, the 16th
0: of Friday. We're doing, what? we're doing the show. Uh, we got the bed show on the 13th. No, understood. The, uh, we're, talk-
2: we're talking yeah. about something
1: else. are talking about something David has the live a, streaming event. He's They're having his live here. streaming
2: events here. Like eight hours
4: on each night which are doing the oh. event. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: He's having a live streaming event. So,
4: so
2: we're yes. going to come up for that probably well, on funny. that Friday. yeah. Fun,
4: yeah. yeah. I mean, we still have to do the tour of the house, you know, for God's sakes. Oh, I know. Well, we're going to do yeah, it. We have to go to the earth and wall room downstairs in the bottom of, the, you know. Mm-hmm. We haven't gone in there yet, but you saw yeah. the video, but we have to go in there.
2: <laughs> Everybody just stopped when I did that well, Paco's, we need to do a Paco's really Paco's really know. really uh, we Is really nervous I'm not nervous Easter, well, well, Are we have you turning around and looking behind Oh my
4: god Paco Yo, <laughs> Robin, We have a lot Robin. to do <laughs> <laughs> Paco's, Paco's dad's not, still down Paco's one. not
0: nervous He always shakes like that It's called being out of shape <laughs>
4: No, shut up! Right. Well, you he's know, shaking because he went thirty feet down the stairwell and up the stairwell. It's a bitch and a half. I hate that walk. <laughs> so I always stop in the middle floor to get my breath.
1: Well, you know, with the expertise, yeah. of, you know, what the expertise though of Paco, and you know, he's already made some commercials which I'm going to show David, which are fabulous.
2: Yes, amazing. But I just also, sent
3: him a short film that I wanted to show him later because your film reminds. Yes, I
1: know. I'm not. I'm still fifteen
4: you- years later. Don't show me. Sh- Still trying to sell that motion picture.
1: But we're gonna do but we're going to do, we're going to do that. We're gonna help promote you as best. Promote, we can. let's find
4: somebody to buy it. Forget promoting it. I've been promoting it for fifteen years. <laughs> okay. I need somebody to fucking buy the fucking thing
1: already. You God. hear that people? <laughs> buy the Buy damn the thing. movie. Buy the You hear damn that thing. United
4: Artists? It's an original motion picture. oh United Artists they're dead. What am I asking? I have an Amazon. Can't three. you get
3: those guys up? No,
4: Amazon won't. They'll do a pay they'll or Netflix. they will click through It's like, I'm not paying a click through. I need to sell it. Somebody up there like me. Mm -hmm. God, that's
0: really We love you. Well what it's we ask what it's Jack knows
4: somebody. Jack Sharon says Jack knows somebody. He knows Bill. I don't
0: know. David Bill no, Bill. You're on my you're in my mind more than you
4: should be. <laughs> All right.
2: Murray, His football. wife is jealous. <laughs> His wife is jealous of what?
1: He said you're yeah, oh, what is be. mine. More than I'm you be. <laughs> oh team. god, oh my am not
4: that kind of Oh my dear God, don't take things out of context or make them the wrong way. I don't play that way.
1: I think it was the Paul style. Lynn thing that got him. I'm <laughs> very much involved with
4: Jack Jack Johnson only.
1: He's yeah. My man. Please I can believe that. Yes. All right. All right.
0: Let's wrap it up. Um, let's wrap it up, guys. That is Season 2, Episode 38, with our golden, golden guest, David Oman. Yeah! <laughs> I'm Jack Macchio, <laughs> with my partner, Corey the Iron Man Ramsey. We've got uh, Karen, the Queen of Queens, New York, the Queen of Queens, who has retired early. And Robin, with a Y, in the nest, our producer extraordinaire. And Mister Sensitive himself, ako the last name standing. standing, Robin,
3: kiss my ass, that's
0: all I got. <laughs> Robin, let's give let's give up the platforms.
2: Yes, so we are on iTunes, we are on uh, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, iHeart, iHeart, and you can find I us heart. on Instagram and Facebook at JV to right. the Pros, and then you can email JV us. Comments, compliments, and etc. at uh, jv2thepros, all spelled out, at gmail.com. Yeah. And,
1: <laughs> and for our guest, which is David Omen. you know, uh, fantastic house, great cook, mm-hmm. uh, author, film producer... So you can, uh, you, can his, Trump. You, you can watch this.
4: I don't lie.
1: You can watch this film, <laughs> House at the End of the Drive. by the <laughs> film.
4: Okay. They don't f- buy it. They
1: so buy you can it. look. You <laughs> can look it up. It. Look what up. You look can look nice. it up at www.houseattheendofthedrive.com. That's where you can find some things of David. You can also find him at www D-E-W-I-T-T Murders Dot com Do it, Murders Say say that
2: one more time No, Ghosts of Cielo Drive Say that one more time, Corey com.
4: That's the book
2: Oh, that's the book That's the book, (laughs) is
4: Ghosts of Cielo Drive The Autobiography of the House And the Hauntings here on Cielo Drive Private Hey,
0: Corey? Yes Give, up, give it up one more time, the information on how to locate David.
1: You got it. So it's at www.houseattheendofthedrive.com, all one word, and then www.dewittmurders.com.
0: All right. I'll tell you what, guys. I think we're going we're to have to classify David as our golden guest because he's without a doubt. He I like it. Just, Comedy gold. Um, now, we're going we're gonna to actually have to promote Paco's upcoming film, David, wore out my bleep button. <laughs>
4: <laughs> you got to get up here, Jack, and see the movie and see who you know that we can like. Give you a there
0: I swear I will be up there, and my partner in life will be at my side. We will have so much fun. We'll I just, a I, the I just got well. a, a lot going on. Robin and Corey know, you know, A lot of what's going on, man. I'm just I'm busier than I need to be, but I will be up there. We will absolutely come up. I promise. And we thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thanks, thanks Robin, Corey, Paco, 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 the last man standing, David. Thanks for being here with us. And we're gonna call it a night. That is season two, episode 38 of JV the Pros. Good night, everybody. Good
1: night. Good night.